Ladies and gentlemen, this is the 14th reason. This is Nick Brown, Frowny Brown, from Frowny Brown Town. This is Vlidis from What Culture. This is El Diablo, El Dorado, El Dorito. And of course, this is Close to the Sun coming at you on Wednesday, the 2nd of August, 2017. This is a trigger warning episode. I feel like I have to say that because people look to get angry at shit sometimes. I'm not pointing any fingers. <laughs> That's if this goes up, who knows? Oh god. Um, okay, so it was interesting. This week was hard for me to kind of kind of come up with something to talk about. I kind I had a few things. Um, you know, in the mix of getting good information on and trying to you know put up something that I think would be good enough to do a show on. The hard thing is, you know, that I've been kind of touching on a few t- like a couple of tougher f- subjects, and I really enjoy that. I really really enjoyed my one a couple of weeks ago. So. I want to keep it on that level, but I know there's going to be a stage where I kind of just fucking run out of shit to talk about. So I'm going to st- have to start at some stage, just kind of do a few lighthearted episodes just for the entertainment value. But until I run out of shit, I've got another cool topic for you. Um, so I was watching this thing on Netflix. It's called 13th. And um, it's all about kind of uh, black history in America. And, you know, the mass incarceration kind of, you know, kind of deal that happened 30, 40 years ago, and yeah, it's just so much history on it. It's such a, um, it's an incredibly powerful documentary. I, yeah, you really should, uh, you really should watch it. It is pretty unbelievable, actually. It's, you know, it is actually makes you pretty infuriated at times, just understanding the way people were treated back in the day. But so I thought I'd talk a bit about that because I kind of did a bit of digging and kind of, you know, there's a lot of statistics and a lot of things that are just mind-boggling to me, so I'm assuming you guys will enjoy, enjoy it. Um, so, first one I'm going to go into, you, the US makes up 5% of the world's population, and it somehow makes up 25% of the world's prison population. Yeah, this is, that's one in four people. One out of four people that are in jail are from the US, one out of four people who have been put behind bars, have been deprived from their families, from their friends, are from the US. How can that happen? How can how can a place that's called the land of the free have the highest prison rate in the world? In 1972, the prison rate was at 300,000 or thereabouts. Right now, it's sitting over 2.3 million. It's... So, you know, I'll get into that. It's a, you know, there's a lot of history and kind of things that go into this, but I'm going to start with uh, the KKK, actually. This is, um, the reason I start with this is because I actually learned a couple of things. I actually didn't know that the KKK, one, was still going today, which it is, and two, 
it kind of had waves and it had it wasn't always a thing. It had a few times where it just kind of, it kind of died and then kind of rose back up for whatever reason. And um, so the original kind of KKK was in like the mid 1860s to the early 1870s. Then it went on a, a 40 year kind of hiatus and it was, you know, it looked like it was just never going to be talked about or seen again. It was until this movie came out. It was called Birth of, Birth of a Nation. It came out in 1915. Um, Essentially what it did, not only did it glorify the KKK and it almost made it to be kind of the cool thing to do and kind of cool thing to be a part of, but it completely depicted black people as rapists, as murderers, as cannibals. It, it you know, really stripped down these people to the most primitive form possible. It turned them into animals. It really it depicted them this way. This is a silent movie, remember. This didn't even have... Um, it didn't have any volume. didn't have any sound. Yeah, it's... And, yeah, a lot of people... It's no coincidence that that year, the KKK became a thing again. Yeah, and when that year, it was almost directly because of this movie. Yeah, this is a, um, this is a movie that actually kind of created the burning of the cross. Yeah, peop- uh, the first kind of version of the KKK didn't burn across that the uh, the director of Birth of a Nation actually thought it was just a cool cin- cinematic kind of image. And then after that, every, like the KKK reformed and then it became this big thing. Everybody had to burn the cross for whatever reason. Yeah, there's a really cool quote that said, uh, we, are, we are the products of the history our ancestors chose if we're white. If we are the products of histories that our ancestors choose, if we're black, we probably didn't choose it. They probably didn't choose it. It's you know, it's a telling thing. I, I always say, and I know a few of my friends have heard me say this, and because and I can't credit who um, actually said this. It was a comedian of some sort, but it said it was essentially it was like if race was like a phone plan, and yeah, every year or two you could update and you could kind of choose what race you were. You choose white every time, and that's very very sad to say that, but it's. You know, be, you'd be kidding yourself. You'd be very ignorant to say that that wouldn't be a, a, the smart decision, the, the safe decision. It's very telling. Yeah, um, so fast forward a bit from Birth of a Nation and so the Civil War happens. After the Civil War, the Southern economy kind of is completely shot. This is, um, this is a bad time because there were 4 million black people who were no longer property people they were no longer bought they were no longer owned and these black people were basically boosting the economy for the south and it kind of so when four million people go they go okay you're no longer a slave because of the 13th amendment the 13th amendment granted freedom and prohibited slavery essentially so it's like what do you do and uh so what they did was that they found this loophole. Yo, there's no, you can't be a slave and you have to, you're granted freedom unless you're arrested. So what happened was there was this kind of a mass, mass arrest, like a mass amount of arresting of black people in the South. And guess what they ended up doing? They kept on building the train, the train lines and they kept on 
planting the the the, uh, the vegetables and doing all these things that they were doing beforehand. So they were still slaves. It was just under a different bracket, under a different moniker. It's almost like this evolution of of uh, racism. Yeah, it was. Um, they were treated as second class, even though that they should they they were you know by law and by hook and by crook that they should have been treated equally. You know. The, Black people couldn't drink at the same water fountain as white people. They had to sit at this different uh, section of a bus. Isn't that just the craziest thing? You can't sit at the back. You can't sit at a certain place of the bus because of your, the color of your skin. Yeah, you know, so they started providing labor again. They all these people, this kind of mass, this mass arrested. Yeah. Um. So the civil rights movement kind of started happening. And funnily enough, crime was rising at this time. White people took a opportunity, a opportunity sorry, at this to essentially blame the civil rights movement on this. And I guess, you know, you could say through a lot of these that, you know, they were just doing what you'd expect them to do. But put, the, put your 1960s, 1970s lens on when you kind of look at all these kind of topics and kind of all these things I say, chances are there is, it's probably racially motivated at the end of the day. There were political activists such as Martin Luther King, something a lot of people don't know, Martin Luther King was uh, murdered. And it's funny because I didn't, I thought everybody knew that, but no, not everybody did. Uh, same with somebody named Fred Hampton. He's 21 years old and he was a, you know, basically a Black Panther which was a political activist, and he was shot dead in the middle of the night with his pregnant wife next to him. Yeah, this wasn't... Like, they weren't playing around. Um, yeah, so at this time, around this kind of 1970, 1972 era, the prison population, as I said, was 300,000. This is when they kind of started this, the coin, the phrase... Uh, mass incarceration. Yeah, this was a. Um, they started the war on drugs, which you know, depending who you ask, the war on drugs was essentially, according to most, a war on black people. This was a way to put people in the from the inner cities, from the suburbs, into jail. Yeah, this is this was a direct attack at people of color, of people of color, because this is not just blacks, this is Latinos as well. But I'm f- focusing more on the black side of things. Uh, you know, the war on drugs, unfortunately, was, and one of the main reasons it is looked back on so negatively is because it wasn't looked at as a health issue. You know, war on drugs wasn't like, you know, you take drugs, you should seek health. It was, oh, you have drugs on, you go to jail. And it was taken as a crime issue unfortunately this is where things kind of got out of hand yeah this is around the time that and yeah some people say it was a, a, um, a war on black people and also hippies <laughs> which is which was uh, funny that just hippies kind of got done on that because it was either the urban cities or the people on the far left that they want to kind of attack and they want to put away yeah it was kind of like disguising the racism it was like, oh, you know, we'll get we'll get the uh, we'll get the guys from the urban cities, and we'll, you know, we'll get a, we'll get a couple of hippies as well. 
you know, this is um the Nixon era of kind of law and order, and then it kind of changed over to the Reagan era in the 80s. And kind of the rise of crack cocaine came in. Now, crack was, you know, crack was and still is very, very addictive drug. Uh, but for some reason back then, you know, coke, normal powder cocaine wasn't looked at as well. Like, wasn't looked at in the same light, sorry. You could get, if you had one gram of crack cocaine, it would equivalent to about 100 grams of uh, powder cocaine in terms of what you got sentenced. Because powder cocaine was just, you know, that was a white drug. Still is. Like, you know, white people, a lot of white people take powder cocaine. The rich folk love, like, that's kind of their choice. Crack something that we all kind of stay away from. But back then it got, it really tore apart the inner cities. A lot of people debate that, you know, crack was something that the uh, the rich white folk kind of put in to tear apart because they knew what it would happen. I'm not sure about that one, but, you know, so... Then something happened in the in a presidential campaign. It's a guy named Willie Horton. Uh, if you guys know him or not, uh, this is a guy who was used in the camp in a campaign by George Bush Senior, not George not George W. Bush, George Bush Senior. Uh, he was against a guy called something Dukakis, and Dukakis was, you know, double digit points ahead in the campaign. But something that Dukakis approved of was the ability for criminals and murderers to have weekend passes to see their family. You enter Willie Horton. Willie Horton was a guy who during this time, he got a weekend pass and he went out and he stabbed a guy to death and then raped the girl, raped his girlfriend. Um, Bush used this and not necessarily did they use his name. They didn't use what he did, but they used his image. That was the main thing people remember. People don't remember exactly like what he actually did, but people remember what he looked like. And it was another one of those things where people go, oh, it's just a, like, you know, I'm, you're looking too far into it, but you weren't. This is posted everywhere. And from being double digits up, George Bush won that campaign and became president of the United States. Uh, it was, it's crazy that you could, you know, they used this Willie Horton person as almost a poster boy, this was a really, really tough time. Um, it's crazy. Like, you can't... To do that and actually to, you know, put this guy up and kind of, you know, be like, here's... It was almost like, here's the new face of fear. Here's a guy who you everybody should be scared of. Yeah, I wonder if he would have been used that way if he was white. I doubt it. I very much doubt it. I actually guarantee it wouldn't have happened. Yeah, so we fast forward again and something that came in was mandatory sentencing. This is when Bill Clinton came in. Uh, mandatory sentencing was something that was essentially saying that if you got, say, 30 years, you were required to do at least 85% of your time. Which, which meant if people got done for a certain amount of time that they couldn't, even if they were no longer a threat to society and they were shown that they are kind of working class people and they could fit back in, that they still had to do their time. It was kind of like, yo, this, they called it like a favour to the public. The public wanted this kind of, um, 
this knowledge of, okay, he's been given 20 years, he's going to do nearly all of that or nearly all of that or more. Who knows? He also brought in this three-strike policy. Three strikes and you get life in prison. And they started having to get people out of prisons. Like they had to let off, I think it was like 4,000 or 4,200 people per month from certain prisons for low-level crimes to bring in people who had already done three strikes to put them away or people who were awaiting trial. You know, something that um, people don't know and something that was very, um, I guess... A, like it's kind of like a TV show thing that back back then and I'd, maybe even still today that people didn't even get to trial when they had these kind of cases. You know, people were in jail. So many people were in jail for the sheer fact that they just didn't have any money. They couldn't post bail. They couldn't pay their way out of it. You know, someone said that you'd rather be rich and guilty, rich and yeah, rich and guilty than poor and innocent. Because you're going to get away, you can get away with it being rich and guilty. People would, uh, they'd come up to you beforehand and they'd give you this plea bargain. And which the plea bargain would basically say, and they would tell you, you can either admit guilt now and get three years. Or you can go to trial and risk getting 30. And people didn't want it. 97% of, of these cases didn't go to trial. Because why would you risk it? Also, judges and people did not appreciate people trying to take on... It was almost like they were taking on the system. It was like, how fucking dare you? How dare somebody do that? How dare somebody say that, you know, try and fight the system, try and say, I didn't do it. There was a case where, and I can't remember the name, so I I apologize there, but that he was gone for a low-level crime and he said, "You you can be free right now if you just admit guilt or you can go to trial and potentially get 15 years. He didn't want to admit guilt because he felt like he was, he would be just another person in the system. So what he did was he went to trial, got 15 years. He was in jail for, I think, three years out of that until he got um, acquitted and got, got to get released. He came out and he, you know, they asked him what happened and how, how did that happen? He said, I, if I did that, I would just be another in his words, I would just be another black person. I'd just be another criminal. And I was not that. So for him to do that, and you, there was videos that they show, and it was him getting absolutely brutally beaten by police officers. Absolutely. Or prison guards, sorry. Um, absolutely brutally beaten by it. And two years, I think it was, after he got out, he hung himself. He was just so he was so traumatized from everything he committed. He attempted suicide many, many times while in jail. And he just couldn't handle it. He said that he wanted his story to be heard, but the absolute trauma of being brutally beaten for nothing was too much. He, you know, you look at something like a prison guard and when you look at that and you go like, like, like why do we, who do we hire? Why do we hire them? And who, who should we hire? Yeah, a lot of people argue that you should hire social workers. You should hire people who can communicate. Because if, you, if you're just going to hire somebody who's fucking big and muscly, can take you, who can defend themselves, they're going to abuse their power. You should hire people who can talk to them, people who can help them get through the ordeal of it. 
it's just, you know, you shouldn't be, there were people who were paid off as prison guards to essentially uh, brutalize black people for the entertainment of people watching because they had cameras everywhere. It was, it's absolutely like unbelievable that that's even like possible to say, but people would do that. Yeah, there was a, um, there was something that happened and it was a guy named Trevon Martin. He's a, he's a black, a black teenager. And there's a guy named George Zimmerman and he was kind of chasing him and he, you know, cause he threatened, he thought that, um, thought that Trevon Martin had something on him or he was going to commit a crime or something like that. He wasn't. And he was, he called up the police and the police told him, don't follow him anymore. Anyway, so he ends up catching this kid. Um, they end up, they have a bit of a fight and Zimmerman shoots um, Trevon Martin. He dies. Uh, there was this huge thing about it and there was this weird little loophole that came in that was called the stand your ground law, which was essentially if you felt like you were endangered or you felt threatened, you could open fire on somebody, which is ridiculous. And the only reason that this this kid died was because this guy wanted to chase him and, and assault him. Imagine that. Imagine somebody chasing you for no reason and coming up to you and you kind of trying to defend yourself and then him just shooting you and being like, well, you threw a punch. Like, hard to, hard to believe that that's actually possible. Especially then, like, and even now, it still happens. And that's the worst part of it. You know, this, back to the, like, the three-strike st- and the mandatory sentencing, and there was mandatory minimums. You do a certain crime, you had to do a minimum of this time. There was, families were being broken up, and, you know, for really minor crimes, people were going to jail for a long, long time. Bill Clinton later came out and basically admitted that he was wrong, that the 1994 uh, Crime Law Act was a mistake and it created more problems. Now, like, it kind of poses the question, should somebody be punished for that? Should, like, you know, they say nobody's above the law, which is, you know, a very ignorant thing to say, but if they wanted to hold true, then how, how is somebody who has created, who created so many problems and created so much pain and grief for so many families uh, just kind of get away with it and be like oh well it was my bad it's just I don't know it's just it's very telling very very telling kind of question to pose I guess yeah there was um what um what what surprised me was how within the prison system uh, they were essentially, they made products for like big, big corporations. They had the thing, this thing called Alec, which I can't remember what exactly it stands for, but essentially Alec was something that was when uh, politicians and corporations came together to try and create laws. Sounds like a fucking, like, that sounds incredibly unethical. You know, you try and put these two kind of things together and of course they're going to try and get some financial gain out of it. And that's what they did. How could somebody, how could you put a big corporation and go, okay, we're going to put you with these politicians, create some laws 
there were so many cases of people who they would pass laws that were completely and utterly out of order and just unnecessary, but it profited certain uh, certain businesses, certain corporations, certain companies. It was almost like it was a pay-to-play kind of thing, this Alec. You, know, you pay for a seat and then you'd honestly just try and bribe your way to the top so they try and pass the law that would help your company. And that's what they did. And they did that consistently throughout. And it's still around today. This isn't something that has gone away. This is something that's around now. Like You can research it. You can just type in ALEC and it's right there on Google. That's the crazy thing that like some of these things still happen and some of this thing is still actually a, actually a thing. Yeah, they were in by by two um two thousand, there was two million people in jail. So up from the the three hundred thousand from nineteen seventy two, eight uh, eight hundred and seventy eight thousand were black in jail in two thousand and one. Yeah, and you got to like, you got to look at the fact that black males uh, make up six point five percent of the American population, but made up over forty percent of the prison total. How can that be? How can 6.5% of a population make up that much? It's, you know, it's, it's very hard to kind of call that, oh, well, you know, they probably deserve to be there. It's, very, um, it's a very uneducated opinion to say that. And it's very kind of like, you know, you grow up believing in what the news tells you and you kind of grow up believing that, you know, all is good in the world and the police are always trying to get you back. And I, I 100% agree that there are people who do it for the right reasons, but there's the opposite side of things. And whenever there's, whenever there's money involved, there are going to be people who try to exploit a system and the prison system is exactly the same. You know, they needed these people. They needed people to be in prison to make these things. They made, they would make, um, lingerie for Victoria's Secret and they'd make stuff for JC Penney's. I'm pretty sure on one of the uh, Oranges and New Blacks show um, episodes, they do that, and that's what I heard it, and it's, that was completely true, and that's the crazy thing. How can that happen? How can how can you like almost like a corporation kind of be like, okay, well, you know, we want just kind of real cheap labor, and we'll just you know, so we'll just send it, and then prison mates would make this stuff. The worst part about this, about the prison system in general, was people would get out. And they'd have no chance of fitting back into society. That's the whole goal, I guess. When you go to prison, what you want to do is you want to do your time and you want to go back and live as normal a life you can. There's obviously exceptions with depending what the crime is. But if you go away for three years and you go out and then you can't get a job and you can't vote and you can't get, a, you, you know, everything's taken away from you. People will look at your job application. There are so many things where you go, have you been convicted evicted on a fa- as a felon? on a piece of paper and that will haunt you and you carry that prison sentence for the rest of your life. How are you supposed to fit back into into the world? How are you supposed to continually continually try and be a part of society when they don't want anything to fucking do with you? And that's the thing, there are so many people in prison that want to be there because they know that they, there's nothing outside this prison for them. They go out, they can't get a job, they can't vote. There's so many there's so many things that they, like just basic human rights that they can't do. And then they just keep getting, either they keep going out doing crimes to go back into jail or they just act up in jail so they can stay there. Some people just want to 
stay in jail. At least they've got a roof over their head. You know, some people in America can't say that. How is that? How can... How are we supposed to, and how are they supposed to go to jail, whether it's a minor crime or a major crime, and go out and continue their life? How You should not be able to carry a small or a certain amount of crime offence through your life. It's absolutely, it's, it's baffling to me. It is absolutely baffling. Yeah, and then it's like, and then you got the, then you got the whole thing about police brutality and, you know, this is, um, one of the, sorry, actually, before I get to that, one of the big companies that I forgot to mention that, um, that profited from this Alec Corporation thing was Walmart. Walmart, um, sell, is the biggest seller of bullets in the world. So then they, they started passing these laws. They passed a law called the SB ten, um, 1070, which was the law that was gave people the right to stop anybody who looked like an immigrant. You can, you can hear the money. You can hear people just planting things on people. You can hear people getting locked up in detention centers. And it just gave people rights to do whatever the fuck they wanted. And that's what cops did. They just stopped you. And the worst part was that it was always just how you, it, it still is, and it was just how you looked. And how can that be? How can, you look at somebody, um, look at somebody like Oscar Grant and Eric Gard, uh, Gardner. Eric Gardner was definitely a, a high profile one, so I'll talk about him. For those who don't know, Eric Gardner was somebody who was killed due to police brutality. There's a video on YouTube that is, in all honesty, is absolutely heartbreaking to listen to. There's a guy who, and before he kind of gets taken down, it is a case of him saying that I'm sick of being interrogated. I'm sick of being stopped by police every time I go to a supermarket. And he's, and then they get four policemen to take him down. They've got his head completely pressed against the, against the concrete with somebody's elbow on his back. They've got someone choking him out. And you can hear him say, you can hear in his voice, he's saying, I can't breathe, I can't breathe. And then he dies. And they kill him right there and then. Everybody's watching. There's a video on fucking YouTube right now. And it, yeah, I'd really do like to... You should really go and look at it. It's... It's, it's so infuriating to watch. And kind of... But how can people be like that? How can... Somebody who was of no... Of no threat. And he dies. There was a guy... as Oscar Grant... Who is face down, uh, cuffs on him. He's handcuffed, can't roll over, and he gets shot. And they shoot him, and then the cop comes out and says, "I thought it was my taser." He got three years and was out within eleven months. How can that be? How can you kill somebody, but because you wear a badge, it doesn't matter? Because you wear a badge, even if they're these people are handcuffed, this is helpless. This is when you really like strip it back. It is so animalistic of them to do that. Somebody who is completely defenseless, and that's the problem. Problem is that people they are doing this to people who really don't know, don't have any threat, don't pose any threat. There's one where there's a guy who has been shot, and he's shot by a police officer. He's in his car, he's bleeding out there, waiting for an ambulance, and the cop instead of helping him. 
Instead of helping him, he's literally seen with his gun pointing through the window to make sure that he doesn't retaliate. That guy bleeds out and dies. How is that... How are we supposed to respect and how are we supposed to trust police when they just consistently do this? And that's the problem. That's why police hate the pe- hate people and that's why people hate police is because we police have and I say you know not as anything it is a vast it's a very very minor minority of police that do this of course but it's a very very minor min- minority of people who act the way that the mini- minority of police think that they do and that's the problem we can't keep doing this I cannot believe, I really cannot believe, you know, you watch that, and same with that um, that Oscar Grant video, that's online, watch that, and you can see when he, because his defense is that he tried to grab a taser out, but of course, you look at him, and he actually looks it to his pocket when he pulls out the gun, so there's absolutely no backing there, and somehow he's out in 11 months, how can that happen? It's just... And the problem is that, yo, throughout that whole process from the Ku Klux Klan to the civil rights movement to the war on drugs to mass incarceration through to, uh, what's his name? Will, what is his name? Willie Horton, sorry. Who was used in a fucking presidential campaign. He was the poster boy. And he was essentially one of the main reasons George Bush won the presidency. And they go, oh, no, it wasn't a race thing. Of course it was a race thing. And it's one of those things, they, it's, race, it's just this evolution that keeps ticking over. And it will continue to tick over. That's the problem. Because we see it now, and I look at it and I go, like people go, oh, well, people aren't racist anymore. There's 10,000 Ku Klux Klan members in America right now. So it's obviously still going to go. People go, oh, racism will just go when the, old, the older generation dies out. That is very, very wishful thinking, but it's it's not going to happen. The problem is that you see, and growing up, you understand, even here, every time your mum or your dad makes a sly comment, whether it's you know, intended to be racist or not, you take that with you until you're older. And a lot of people get this belief that you are better than that people. You are better than certain people. You are above certain people. If somebody, if you're, and as the thing is also, sorry, if you go with these 10,000 people who are your know, KKK members currently, they're going to breed, they're going to talk. It's never going to end. This isn't something like people aren't going to die out. It's not going to end anytime soon because it is now a new form. Back in the day, you could say the N-word like it was nothing and just call somebody that. Then they had to strategize and they had to find a way and there was, it was the term mass incarceration. That's what they did. So they, they went from just blatantly calling it, we can't do that now because they've got equal rights. Okay, what are we going to do? Okay, we'll just put them in jail. Okay, we'll, we'll tighten up the crime and we'll tighten up in the inner cities. Yeah, and that's what they do. They, they'd rename it. They wouldn't say the black people. They wouldn't say anything like that. They'd say urban. They'd say inner cities. They'd say um, certain neighborhoods. And it's literally like right in front of you and they're telling you and people still didn't get it. People still don't get it. That's the worst part of it. And this is coming from a white bloke from Australia. Like, it's just so obvious. And 
it's you know it's horrible to think what the next kind of form of racism will be and that's the problem because as i said it is an evolution it is something that will continually evolve it will never stop so if that's the case and if it is a case of what will be the next one it's just up to speculation now you know you see it through everything i was talking about it last week with music with mainstream mu- like with rap music and that something i didn't say i was talking about this guy named dram and he how he gets pigeonholed as a rapper because he's black and because of the way he dresses another reason why they do that is because they can profit on it off him and that's not like oh you know you're really good we're gonna try and we're gonna try and get you um rich it was like no like everyone else is gonna profit off you and that's it. Like that's why labels, and that's why everybody takes. That's why there's a lot of rappers who r- really don't have much money anymore, and they are really struggling because they didn't get as much money as they expected, and because they were taken advantage by that system, as every other system takes advantage of people. It's just a horrible cycle. The chances, the chances of getting um of a white person being um, going to jail is one in 17, I'm going to say, without confirming as I just look through my notes. Yes. Like, uh, yeah, lifetime likelihood of somebody going to prison if you're white is one in 17. You change that over to black, it turns to one in three. So if you were, if there was three, if you were in a classroom as a kid and you had three black kids in your class, Chances are one of them are going to go to jail. Isn't that just the worst stat? Isn't that something that can't, like... And the thing is, like, you look at the jail, you look at the prison, prisons right now, 2.3 million people in jail. Highest rate in the world in America. Land of the free. Land of opportunity. People still go there. And how is it supposed to change? How we... I, like, I really, like, and it's... Yo, somebody said that like, yo, it was a, um, I'll paraphrase, I'll give a rough quote of this, sorry. He was saying like, yo, he was saying, it's funny how white people will tell you that, yo, if I was in that time back in the day when there was lynching, sorry, there was lynching as well. There was a little public hangings. People would turn up to see black people get hanged back in the day. This is only a lifetime, this is only like a little bit over a lifetime ago as well. Like this isn't like, this isn't 400 years ago. This isn't like... This is like a hundred years ago. They're still doing this. Yeah. Um, Jesus, God, I've lost it. <laughs> but like, what would they say? They'd say, "Yeah, white people would look back and go, I would never be a part of that. I could never be a part of that form of racism.' That, yeah, the the mistreatment of people." And he kind of said, "We're still in that stage. We still are seeing people get mistreated. We still are." Having and being a part of a time where you know people on the news, and if you're black still today in America, you get and as somebody recently get to America, I can actually vouch for this. Majority of the time, you saw a black person on the news as a part of a story, they were either in handcuffs or they were suspects for crime, and that's just that is just something that's just beyond belief. And something you might be like, oh, it doesn't that wouldn't be true. Like, I'm telling you, I remember the first night I was in America, I watched the news in Vegas, and it was just 
people it was just black people in handcuffs, black people being suspected for crimes. It's it's also, you know, it's funny how yeah, like that there is a culture like you know, it's like as I said before, in like the birth of a nation, they say something like, Oh well, you know, white girl white women didn't want to be raped by black men, which is really weird because there are more cases statistically of white men raping black women and more so than black men raping white women. Again, it's his culture. It also built up to a stage where you know, black people started believing in this. You know, there, was, there was a term that they used to describe juvenile people. Like, like It was just like this new form and it was called super predators. And it was to describe these kind of, these people who, these juvenile people who, in their words, had no conscience and no soul. Funnily enough, Hillary Clinton used to used to say it a lot. She recently apologized for it, like, oh, great. You know, cool, yeah, they had a really crap a couple of choices to be president, didn't they? Um, so like, when when they say, um, quote a Donald Trump figure, and, you know, when they say, and Donald Trump would say, like, oh, back in the day, you know, they'd be carried out in a stretcher for protesting. And then you see it and there's Southern white people spitting in the face of um, of people protesting at a Donald Trump rally. Spitting. There was people literally punching people square in the face in front of everybody. Now, I'm not saying that every Trump supporter is a racist. Of course not. It is the very, very vocal minority that do that. And it still it would be on the other side as well. Of course, that's just how it is. It's not, you know, they say, they say it's like you know, there's on the left side and the right side. There's there's the very very vocal five percent, and then there's just a bunch of people in the middle who kind of stay quiet about it. And you know, but the people, the five percent either side are the people who get the most attention. Of course, that's how it works. So, I understand when they say that Trump says, you know, they used to they'd carry him out to stretcher if the people protested. That they go, this is we're going to enter a times a new kind of form of slavery, and like. And people still say that it's not a thing. They still say it's not a problem. You know, this kind of, this idea, this idea of everybody actually being treated equally by the higher, like, you know, the higher ups or the police or the you know, criminal system. It's just an idea. And it still hasn't come true. It hasn't, hasn't come to be yet. It's um, it's actually baffling. Like to think that today, and you know the Eric Garner stuff and the stuff like the police brutality happens consistently. The difference is now you can just fucking record it and put it on YouTube. Okay, you know you mistreated my cousin or you um, assaulted my cousin. The whole world can see that now, and yet somehow people still don't get it. People still don't get that. That's the problem. They kind of, you run through this cycle and people grow up and they believe, they believe in the American values and everything like that if they're white. And as, as the saying go, as I said before, we are the products of the history of our ancestors chose if we're white. If, we're, if, they were, if you're black, you probably, your ancestors probably didn't choose how it is now. Just it's crazy, and there's you know there will be another case soon enough of another uh, police officer brutally murdering 
a person of color for whatever reason, and then they will go to trial and then they will get off or they will get a very light slap on the wrist. And nothing will happen. Nothing will be changed. It's crazy because, like, there are so many people of color, so many black people that are in positions of power now. And that's the thing that kind of gets you. You know, we've, we recently had our first black president. And yet, this still happens. We have people in all walks, all forms of entertainment and in politicians. And you know, it's kind of funny with like a lot of the a lot of the 1994 laws when Bill Clinton passed these laws, he had some um, black people on his kind of panel, like kind of doing up all the plans and that. And in their words, they said a lot of the things that we thought were going to be there kind of got, um, didn't get written in. And they, they called it selective hearing. They said they, they heard what they wanted to hear and they forgot what they didn't want to hear. And it destroyed a lot of communities destroyed a lot of families still happens today for some until a until people don't just get stopped in the middle of the street for no reason whatsoever nothing's going to happen nothing's going to change and there will always be people who want to kind of fight against the system and the problem is as you've seen in recent cases someone like Someone like Eric Gardner, who was merely saying, I'm sick of being stopped. I'm sick of being protested against. And now he's dead. And it was just, he fought against the system. He was dead. You look at people like Martin Luther King. You look at people like Fred Hampton. They fought against it. And now, and they got assassinated. They got murdered because of that. It's... Yeah, the thirteenth read the thirteenth amendment grants freedom and prohibits slavery, and yet now we're just going through a different form of that. You know, whenever there's money in something, they will exploit it, and that's the problem. And you know, just to watch watch these things and these videos on YouTube of people getting torn away from their families to watch people and watch again the Eric on like um sorry watch Oscar Grant watch Eric Gardner murdered in front of you and then it's just it's and then just the wheel keeps turning yeah, they they have something called Black Lives Matter and over now and which is very um which is doing really well because there is no real leader of Black Lives Matter. There's no address for Black Lives Matter. They've worked out a way that people can't be kind of detected through it. You can be a part of it, but people don't know where you are on the hierarchy because of this. And that's the that's a really really smart thing that they've done, and you know a lot of people say, oh well, don't all lives matter? Of course, like yeah, and they would say, yeah, of course it does, but you don't know what we've been through, and yet we still don't get treated the same way as everybody else. 
and it's yeah, this might be very pessimistic, but I can't see a time anytime a time in the near future. And I feel like we're we're you know hundreds of years away from it happening. Not in my lifetime will people truly be treated as equal. It's a very sad thing to say. It's not something that I'm proud of in saying. I'm not saying that going, yeah, white white people, yeah, go whiteies. It's just Yeah, it's just one in four prisoners one in four prisoners in the world from the US, twenty five percent of the world's prison population. Land of the Free, eh? Ladies and gentlemen, this is the 14th reason. This is Nick Brown, Franny Brown from Franny Brown Town. This is Leeds from World Culture. This is El Diablo, El Dorado, El Dorito. And we are here every Tuesday or Wednesday for Closer to the Sun. This Friday, we got the Total 90 Premier League podcast. Next Thursday, we have the Backbone Music podcast. Thank you very much for listening. Let me know. Ain't no grave, hold my body down. <laughs> I don't know, I don't know any of the other words. <laughs>